to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. You know, God is just working a special work in his heart, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. But he had to come to that, re- that realization, and we can, we can say, oh, yeah, God's number one, Jesus is number one, but what really consumes you? What really consumes your time? What really consumes your thought life? What really consumes us? And I have to take an inventory. Lately, I've been, I, I went, like, guesstimating about 18 years without having coffee, because coffee bothered my stomach. I couldn't handle it. You know, I love coffee. I love the smell of coffee. When people make coffee, I just love coffee, you know. But for the last 18 years, I just, you know, it was just too radical. My digestion wasn't handling it, so I had to cut it out of my life. And, and then just recently, I found out that, that they make coffee that's low acidic, and it's, a, a, what is it called, Arabica coffee or whatever, and that, but there's a certain kind, and it's, you know, you can buy it organic, so I've been trying these different coffees, and I found one that I really love, and I just, it's so awesome, and I've been drinking it lately, and I'm just like, wow, it's like a whole new world. I mean, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> but just the other morning, I, I woke up at like 3.30, I don't know if you do this, I was just wide awake, I couldn't go back to sleep, so I spend time with the Lord, and I'm just, you know, hanging out with praying and having my devotional time, you know, and so I was up from 3.30 to 5.30, and I was just so tired, and I just thought, you know, I need to get a little bit of sleep at least, so I went back to bed for a little while, and I woke up, you know, and had to get my day started, and I was just so tired, I didn't want to get out of bed, and so I'm just, so I'm just talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I've got no strength, Lord, I've got nothing, I just, I need, you, please touch me and fill me, and, and then I started thinking about the coffee, <laughs> And I thought, I can't wait to get out of bed to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> but listen to this, though. Listen. I can get so consumed with things. I don't know about you, but I can. And it's not like, you know, coffee's great and everything. And I think even the Lord used that just to remind me, hey, you know, this could help, you know, come up and have some coffee. And it was a great thing. It helped me to get up. And I was like, yes, you know, that sounds good. And this is so good. But I have to realize that there's many things in my life that can try to take that first place instead of God. My time, my mind, my, it can consume me. And it can consume you. Even good things. He wants to rule. He wants to be preeminent. He wants to be first. Sanctify him in the sanctuary of your heart and set him apart. Make sure that he's there. He's number one. We can enjoy good things. We can enjoy life and everything. God wants us to enjoy the good things of life, but he doesn't want those things to consume us above him. A good thing can become a bad thing if it keeps us away from the main thing. And the main thing is God, Jesus. If it's keeping you away from the main thing, it can become a bad thing, even though it's a good thing. Are you following me? (laughs) Did that make any sense? Do we need to rewind? (laughs) (laughs) Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. I love what we're told in Galatians 2.20. You know this. Paul the Apostle writing, He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. My life is given over to him. And it's a wonderful thing. When you allow God to control your life, watch out. Watch out what he's going to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think of. I love what Paul said to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I love this. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God, do you notice this? Who's faithful? God is faithful. So you're going to be tempted. Every one of us are going to be tempted to allow something to consume us, to take that first place in your life, to consume you and, and get, get you, uh, make you distracted and take your focus off of God. And so there's temptation, but realize it's common to man. We're all tempted. We all have temptations. It's, it's common, but God is faithful. What is he faithful to do? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of, can we say that word together? Escape. Escape. Don't you like that word? Escape. So he's not going to tempt you beyond what you can handle, but with that temptation, he's going to give you an escape. And can I say this? Take the escape. Because you know what happens if you don't take the escape. It's like right here, and it's like, well, you know, that's not that tempting. You know, that's okay. And I say, well, let's just look, just touch it for a minute. Oh, that's not too bad. The next thing you know, you're just like all consumed with it. Whatever that, this, not the microphone, okay, but whatever that might be. And God is telling us, take the escape. Run away. God's not going to tempt you beyond what you can handle, but with that temptation, he's going to provide an escape, and he's saying run to that escape that you may be able to bear it. If you don't run, it's going to overtake you. And there might be someone today that needs to run away from something in his life right now, and God's saying just run away from it. Let it go. Run to me. But look at this, verse 14. So most of us know this, verse 13, but verse 14, it says, therefore, my beloved, look at this, flee. That means run from idolatry. That means anything that we put before, anything we worship before God, anything we put before God, he's saying, run away from it. Don't toy with it. Don't play with it. Just totally run away from it. I I mean, sometimes they'll say, you know, amputate it. If there's something in your life that's consuming you and really taking your focus off God and the things of God, amputate it. Cut it off. Don't even go near it. Don't even touch it. Flee from it. So sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Remember when the disciples went to John the Baptist and they were worried because more people were following after Jesus and they were like thinking, hey, what's going on? Why are they following you know, him instead of you? And remember what John the Baptist said, John 3.30? Talking about Jesus, he says, he must increase, but I, can we say it together? Must decrease. He's like, don't worry, that's, that's what I want him to do is follow Jesus. I'm, I'm supposed to decrease. He's supposed to increase. Let's look back. Verse 15 again. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We're to share our faith. We're to tell people about the Lord. We're not to do it arrogantly. We're not to do it pridefully. We're not to do it to win a debate or to win an argument. No, we're to do it to win souls. 
Don't fall in the trap to try to win an argument. Try to win a debate. We have hope within us. If you're a note-taker, that word defense, the Greek word is apologia. It's where we get our English word apology or apologetics. Apologia, you know, it's not like we apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I believe in Jesus. I'm so sorry, I'm sorry to offend you. It's, it's, I'm so sorry that hurts you. I'm so sorry that bothers you. That's not what that means. It's not to apologize. It's, it's to have a defense, to be able to, to tell people why, what, why we believe what we believe and able to have a defense to tell them why we believe and what we believe in. But the word also can be translated answer. It's as simple as having an answer for the hope that's within us. That's even how the King James Version translates it. Is it an answer? We're to have an answer. And can I give you a clue what the answer is? It starts with a J, ends with an S. I truly believe we can complicate the gospel into a place where it's not even supposed to be. Jesus. So let me simplify this. Have a defense or an answer for everyone who asks you. Do you realize they're gonna ask you why? Because you've sanctified the Lord Christ in your heart. God's in your heart. You're a changed person. They're noticing a difference. They're gonna come to you. They're gonna ask you, what in the world is going on with you? We want an answer. What, what happened to you? Well, I was spiritually empty, but Jesus. I was spiritually blind, but Jesus. I had no hope, but Jesus. I had fear and anxiety, but Jesus. I was filled with sin and guilt and shame, but Jesus. I had loneliness deep inside, but Jesus. I was bound in sin, but Jesus. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has come into my life. It's Jesus. We have the answer. It's Jesus. Well, how come you don't uh, hang out and party all the time and get drunk and go out doing the things we used to do? Jesus. How come you go to church all the time? Jesus. How come you're not getting angry all the time and cussing and swearing like you used to? Well, Jesus. We have the answer, and it's Jesus. A while back, there was a lady that used to live in Broadmoor, a few doors down over here. And she would come to our church occasionally and she told me how her friend that lives in Broadmoor, he lived two or three doors down right over here in Broadmoor, the condos. And she told me that he was dying of cancer and she was, it was really bothering her and she was very torn up. And I prayed for her and I said, I, said, I want to go talk to this man before he dies. Is he a Christian? She says, no, he's, I think he was a, a science professor. And she says, she says, he doesn't want to talk to you, I'm sure. You know, he, he doesn't want anything to do with Christianity. And I says, well, please give me an appointment. Just tell him. I tell him that pastor wants to talk with you. And, and so she, I run into her time after time. And did you talk to him? No, I didn't do it. Did you talk to him? No, I didn't do it. Well, she calls me one day and she says, uh, you won't believe this. The family asked if the pastor from this church would be able to go talk to John. And it was the daughter who was a Christian. And I said, I'd love to go talk with John. So John was laying there, and he, you could tell he didn't have long to live. And I said, John, can I pray right now? And he says, yes. And we prayed, and we called out to God in the name of Jesus, and God showed up in that room and filled that room in a powerful way. I said, John, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? He said, yes. I said, do you believe you're a sinner, John? He says, yes. 
I said, John, are you ready to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and repent and and tell God that you're sorry and turn from your sin? He says, yes. I said, John, let's pray. I says, because if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you repent of all your sin, he'll forgive you of your sin and you will go to heaven when you die. It was so awesome as John was praying with his mind and I was saying, you know, leading him in a sinner's prayer, when I got to the point, you know, fill me with your Holy Spirit, he kind of looked at me like, I don't even know what that is. And I says, well, the Holy Spirit, and I explained the Holy Spirit, you know, the third person of the Godhead, and explained that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and gives us new life. And he's like, okay, he says, yes, I'll pray, you know, fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. And his family were crying because they were, you know, the daughter's a Christian, his ex-wife was there, she's a Christian, and they were just weeping and crying and saying, thank you, God, and thank you for saving John. And John prayed to accept Christ. Do you know that's the last day he could speak? He lost his voice after that. Four days later, he went to be with the Lord. I didn't have a theological debate with John. He wasn't wanting a theological debate at that point. He needed Jesus. He needed Jesus. There's no other name given among men that we might be saved. It's only at the name of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save us. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that died upon the cross of Calvary. His blood was shed on the cross of Calvary to wash away our sins. All of sin, all fall short of the glory of God. We all are sinners. But the good news is Jesus Christ gave his life to become a sin sacrifice for us, to take away our sin, that we, though we're sinners, can be forgiven and we can be washed and we can be made clean and we can have new life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new, amen? Everything becomes new. He cleans us up. He washes us. And he gives us hope beyond the grave. To be absent from our body as a believer in Jesus Christ, to be absent from our body means that we'll be in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. Amen? Amen. People need to know. And you might say, well, pastor, they don't want to hear. Yeah, they might not want to hear, but it's our job just to, to just give them, you know, Jesus. That's what people did with me. Just gave me Jesus little time bomb, Jesus loves you, he died on the cross for your sin, don't tell me that. And I'm a pastor. And we need to continue to go to the cross, that we'd have a good conscience, as it goes on to say in our text. He he wants us to have a good conscience that we we can talk with boldness and share with boldness because we're forgiven. The hope within us is Jesus. He's the answer. He's the savior. He's the only one that can save man. I love what Pascal, the French mathematician, the inventor and theologian, he said, I love this. I don't know if you've heard this before. He says, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. He says there's a God-shaped vacuum in every man that only can be filled with relationship with God. And I found that to be true in my own life. I, I was trying to find satisfaction in this thing and that thing and this and that and this and that. And guess what? I was empty, 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 empty. Because that, that hole, that void needed to be filled with God through Jesus Christ. And then it was filled. 
And everyone on this earth is the same. Do you know that? I love what Augustine said. He said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee, O Lord. Don't you like that? Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee, O Lord. That's everybody. You might say, well, what about a scripture? Well, Paul the Apostle, I'm glad you asked. Paul the Apostle said, for the creation was subjected to fertility. That means emptiness. Creation, we are, we're subjected to emptiness. We're empty without God. There's an emptiness in us without God. And God wants to fill that void. Suppose you went to your local Dodge dealer. You, get, you sit down in the Dodge Charger. It's brand new. You're sitting there and you're adjusting the, everything. You're making the adjustments, the seat so it's just right, the, the rear view mirror so it's just right, the, the side mirror so it's just right. Everything, you think everything's right, but there's a problem. There's a, there's a hole there in the car and it needs to be filled. It's called the ignition. And that car's not going to go anywhere. That car's not going to do anything unless you fill that hole with a key and you take it and that car will do what it's called to do in our lives. Without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, our lives are not going to operate the way they're supposed to operate. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Only Jesus Christ can fill that void. Only Jesus Christ can fill that hole that's in your life. It's only through Jesus. Amen? Amen. I recently met a man and. It was funny, the, right away he asked me what I did for an occupation. I'm like, oh no, here we go. So I said, I'm a pastor. And he says, well, I used to be a Christian. He says, I grew up in a Christian home. He says, I really liked my youth pastor. He says, but the high school pastor, I didn't really care for him because he was a homophobe. And right away he was letting me know that he's living in a homosexual relationship. And because he grew up in the church, he kind of wanted to debate a little bit theology and and I answered his questions, but I knew that the theology questions weren't going to cut it. I just kept bringing him to Jesus. I says, let me tell you, I says, I was suicidal, but Jesus. And I told him my story, and I told him, you know, I was really hopeless, but Jesus. And I was spiritually blind, and I explained the story how the Bible didn't make any sense except when I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And I kept going on and on about, you know, how my life has been changed with Jesus. And I says, you know, all sin needs to be turned from, every sin, be it, you know, drunkenness, homosexuality, whatever your sin is, it doesn't matter. All sin can be forgiven, and all sin, we can have freedom from that sin. God loves the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would just believe in him, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so I just started sharing Jesus. But listen to this. I, re I realized as we were talking the trap, and the trap was to, to argue with him and debate him about theology and what does this mean and what is this terminology. This, and it's just, I just noticed the trap, that the trap was trying to make me just fall in this, that this guy's gonna get mad at me and we're gonna get upset and he's gonna, and I just kept loving him and I kept loving him and I kept loving And God just really poured in my heart just a love for this man and a, a wonderful love that God loves him so much. And I just, it was just like God's love just being poured out on this guy. And after we were done talking, he says, I want to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I says, you know what? I thoroughly enjoyed it also. And I wish I could say, you know, he prayed and received Christ, but I think God is just planting those seeds and planting those seeds, and this young man is going to come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. St. Patrick's Day. Most people think St. Patrick's Day is about drinking green beer and 
doing all kinds of crazy things. But as we talk about sharing our faith, did you know that St. Patrick is known as one of the greatest evangelists in all Christian history? Do you know that he was born in Scotland and not Ireland? <laughs> Everybody thinks he's Irish because he went to Ireland to share the gospel. And if you read his story, there's a lot of detail, but he went to Ireland when it had no Christian influence whatsoever. It was a pagan nation. And he did use the three-leaf shamrock to illustrate the Trinity to a pagan world. And he was used in such a powerful way that even the king of Ireland was converted by his witness. And I'm told that when St. Patrick died in 461 AD, that Ireland became a thoroughly Christianized nation at that point because of one man sharing his faith sharing the hope that was within him. He realized, St. Patrick realized that that nation was such a pagan nation, it needed Christ. It needed Christ. And he shared Christ with a nation. One man converted a nation. That was way back, 461 AD. Look where Ireland is today. Ireland needs Jesus. America needs Jesus. Your neighbors, my neighbors, they need Jesus. Those in your workplace, they need Jesus. Those in the marketplace, people need Jesus. I love what we read in Philemon, chapter, well, it's only one chapter, verse six. Have you ever read this before? It says, he says that the sharing of your faith may become effective. That's my prayer, that the sharing of our faith might become effective. And I believe when we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, when he's number one in our life, our witness can be very effective because we're living our faith, not just sharing our faith. And I love what it says in the, the NIV. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. But listen to what it goes on to say. So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ meaning we share our faith and it, it gives us a better understanding of, of who Christ is because as we share our faith, we understand his grace more. We understand his mercy more. We understand his love more. We, we understand his goodness more. We understand his kindness more. We understand more of who he is because it's his heart. Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. Simple message. A good reminder, Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of your righteousness is a tree of life. Excuse me, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is? Isn't that great? Do you want to be wise? Win souls. Do you want to be a tree of life? Live righteously. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Goes perfectly with our text. So, as we close... As believers here in Jesus Christ, we have a wonderful hope within us. His name is Jesus. Jesus. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The hope within, and I put Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Those who are wise 
shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.